You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. If, if you've even bothered to do so, because who in the world could blame anyone for refusing to engage in any activity that has anything to do with this disaster of a football team? This is a low point, folks. I mean, this is one of those, if, if, you got to laugh so you don't cry. That's how terrible. This is an all-timer. This loss on Sunday, if this doesn't send a message to, to Jets' ownership that it's time to make a change at the head coaching position, then nothing will. And I refuse to believe. Christopher Johnson came out after, after last week's loss and said that Adam Gase is brilliant a brilliant offensive mind gave him a vote of a public vote of confidence. He's talking to the fans like they're idiots, folks. And and I'm I'm the last guy to get on ownership. I give ownership a pass at almost every step of the way. I've said this in the past. It's due largely to the fact that I just I don't believe that the Patriots are great. Because Bob Kraft is great, and Bob Kraft knows X's and O's. Owners hire coaches that they think will work out, and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. But this, a coach who has never done a damn thing without Peyton Manning dragging his ass to the top of the offensive rankings, and we're calling this guy a genius, and he comes out, for a home opener. Now, of course, that's irrelevant with no fans in the stands. However, it's not irrelevant in that he's playing a West Coast team that has to fly from California, deal with the jet lag of coming from California to New York. They're playing, they're going into the game. Richard Sherman's on IR. Akela Weatherspoon has a concussion. Two of, your, two of your top corners sitting out. George Kittle, their best offensive player, on the shelf. A few minutes into the game, they lose Bosa to an ACL. On the next play, believe it was the next play. A couple plays. Whatever. Who cares? Solomon Thomas. Done. ACL. Both out for the year. D. Ford. Out. Didn't play a snap. Five of their defensive players. Several of them Pro Bowl, All-Pro caliber players. Not on the field. The starting quarterback. Hurt. 
doesn't come out for the second half. The starting running back who took the opening toss of the game, 80 yards untouched to the end zone, out for the game. And what does Adam Gase do? What what does the genius – and listen, I get it. The Jets are banged up. I get it. Braxton Berrios isn't Jerry Rice. Josh Malone isn't John Taylor. But you know what? When you're a head coach in that position, in any position, injuries or not, you play to your strengths. This team, as currently constructed, gives themselves the best opportunity to win by running two tight end sets and getting both tight ends involved in the, in the, in the game. And I don't want to hear that Chris Herndon had some drops. He's still, he's still the one guy who you can create some mismatches with. Maybe, just maybe, Chris Herndon's having a little time, a little bit of a hard time getting to a rhythm. Since Adam Gase is using him to block more than any other tight end in the NFL. No tight end is used to block more than Chris Herndon. The guy who should be your number one target on offense is your number one blocker. Ryan Griffin doesn't see the field, except when you line him up at wide receiver because you're an idiot. So don't give me this, well, the Niners had guys hurt, but so did the Jets. But you still didn't play to your strengths against a team that was decimated by injuries. And you didn't just come out and lose. You came out and got your Damn doors blown off. Yet another garbage time touchdown for a little bit of window dressing. For all intents and purposes, this football team has not put together a scoring drive this season inside of you know inside of the first fifty eight minutes. You got two full games. Jamison Crowder took a wide receiver screen, 69 yards for a touchdown. One big play that was sprung by a couple of blocks. Your other two touchdowns, genius, garbage time touchdown run in week one, and then a garbage time touchdown pass this week. When Braxton Berrios, when Braxton Berrios hauled in a 30-yarder from Sam Darnold to bring the Jets within 31-13 with a minute 30 to go, you have one damn touchdown. And let's face it, when you're down 21 nothing in the opening minutes of the game, as the Jets have done each of the past couple weeks, it's all garbage time, folks. These games are over in a quarter. This season is over. Two weeks in, time to look at the draft. Time to talk about when to get rid of Adam Gase. And I'll tell you what, it can't happen soon enough. This guy is an absolute buffoon. He really is. And I listen, anyone who listens to this show, 
anyone who reads the, the, the articles on JetNation.com, some of the stuff that I write, it's no secret that I don't like Adam Gase. I didn't like the hire from the second it happened. And I've been nothing but negative and critical. However, I did say a few weeks ago on this show that maybe, just maybe, we were going to have to give Adam Gates a little bit of slack for those very few fans who still support this bozo. I said, you know what? Let's, let's be fair. Let's take a step back. Maybe, just maybe, Adam Gase is the unluckiest coach in NFL history. Because he has had injuries at the quarterback, quarterback position consistently with Miami, with Tannehill getting hurt and having to go with Cutler and Moore and whoever his backups were there. And then tons of injuries last year. Darnold's mono. I get all that. So I said, you know what? Let me for two seconds pretend that Adam Gase is an atrocious. Let's say maybe he's just got some bad luck, and let's see how he does. Let's see out of the gate if this looks like a different team. And like I said, folks, the injury argument carries zero weight because you're not playing your strengths. They asked Adam Gase after the game, why didn't you throw to the tight ends more? Um, we had some things drawn up. We just didn't get to them. You didn't get to them. You had other things to do. You needed to get Frank Gore 74 carries. 37-year-old Frank Gore. God forbid Frank Gore isn't a, a bell cow running back all day long getting three yards a carry. Adam Gase was, was beside himself with amazement watching Frank Gore pick up three yards in a cloud of dust. He was in awe. Barely contain himself. Run Gore again. Run Gore again. Run Gore again. Chris Herndon. We'll get to that later. We got to get Frank Gore some carries. Ryan Griffin, who's that guy? Get Frank Gore back in there. Embarrassing. Alex Varala will not be with us tonight, folks. We're going to be joined by Dylan Terman. Uh, Alex, Alex is on IR. But I believe we have a caller now. Caller, you on the line? Hey, I'm here. Can you hear me, Glenn? I can. Is that you, Dylan? Yes, it is. All right. I, I wasn't sure because the, the number was looking different from the one you sent me. But, uh, but Dylan, um, I, I don't know. I, we haven't spoken yet. Um, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and, uh, and assume you're not happy <laughs> with what happened with the Jets this Sunday. Um, you did just send me that link. I, I saw the comments earlier. For those of you who haven't heard, Avery Williamson uh, on WFAN today basically said, we don't practice well, we don't tackle well, uh, which w- apparently some comment, I didn't realize uh, McDougal had said something similar. So you now have a veteran safety who came over from one of the winningest teams in the NFL, and in week two, he's like, I don't know what the hell we're doing in practice. And then they ask Avery Williamson about it, and he goes, yeah, I agree. I don't know what the hell we're doing in practice. So, so this is it, folks. This is your head coach, Adam Gase. Career losing record gets blown out more often than he wins. Uh, veteran players don't know what they're doing in practice. Uh, he was gonna he was gonna run the good plays, but he was gonna get to those later because that, you know Frank Gore's got to get those numbers. Uh, I know they drafted the good plays. 
Yeah, I know they drafted LaMichael Perrin, but listen, that's what the last two minutes of the game are for. That's when you want to see what your young players can do. Um, and, you know, listen, the offensive line, they opened up some holes. Offensive line wasn't bad. I'm watching Frank Gore pick up three yards a clip, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I'd like to see what one of these young explosive guys might do. Listen, we're going to sign Kalen Balaj. Hey, Adam Gase, why do you sign Kalen Balaj? Oh, Kalen Balaj runs a four four eight. Weighs 225 pounds. That's what we signed Kalen Balaj. What's he going to do? And he he's gets just as 200... many snaps as Peter Ryan. Yeah, he's going to sit a 225-pound ass on the bench. Yep. And, and they're going to watch Frank Gore. Hey, listen, yeah, he's the... either the dumbest guy in the league or this is, this is 100% a tank job. And the Jets are absolutely mailing it in. And Adam Gase has been gr- given the green light to go 0-16 and come back next year. That's, the, that's what it looks like. It's the it's no, the only no other explanation at this point. If you yes, if if we want to find a logical reason as to why Frank Gore is the central point, the, the the focus of the offense, with young running backs sitting on the bench, Chris Herndon not getting the ball, Ryan Griffin can't get on the damn field. It's the Frank Gore show. The only explanation is we want that number one pick. And which mm-hmm. tells you they don't yeah, like Darnold. And and listen, the way he coached this game, he either doesn't like Darnold, or he or he just does not believe in him. Or, or he to can't give up trust play. him. Absolutely, that was yeah. He doesn't tr- give up play on you know third and eighteen draw. Yep. I mean, design the, the, checkdowns the, on third and the, long are just listen the slow no, death I, of any young quarterback. It's, I don't I don't know if, if you heard us I mean probably we didn't we didn't talk about this enough, but Alex and I did discuss after the hire and we've brought it up a few times on the show. You go back and watch Adam Gates' time in Miami. He was notorious for calling plays short of the sticks. Notorious. Mm-hmm. Third and eight, throw it four. Third and ten, throw it seven. Second and five, throw it three. Yak plays, yep. Did it the other day. Third down and three, they throw a one-yard pass on third and three. Mm-hmm. You throw it one damn yard. Could you possibly have any less confidence in the quarterback? Exactly. And with the receiving core and skill position players were trotting out there, you'd believe that he'd have no trust in them over his young quarterback who's actually proven something on the field. But, no, he'd rather have Braxton Berrios or Chris Hogan try to run six yards after the catch and move the chains rather than – keep Sam upright, throw it eight, ten yards down the field. Gosh forbid he throws it 20 yards down the field one time, and who knows. But This team was down three corners. We didn't see one pass travel 20 yards in the air. Nope, because for the pass was the Berrios touchdown, and that's getting glossed over because garbage time and Garbage only made it an 18-point deficit. So, yeah, exactly. Great play, but no one's going to talk about it because what did it accomplish in the game? Exactly. Down, down by a million. Nobody cares. Nope. And you, he would have had like has, 130 he, yards and no score without that play. So, you could have done without it. Yeah, absolute joke. Nick Mullins comes in for an injured Jimmy Garoppolo. That's probably the only reason the Niners didn't score 300 today. Greg Williams doesn't get a yep. free pass, by the way. I no. got people on Twitter. Oh, I'll give you so hard on Gates. You're such a big Greg Williams fan. You're not calling him out. Listen, 
Greg Williams isn't the guy I'm worried about. Is he doing a, a, a terrible job? Absolutely. You want to fire him with Gase? If that's the price, go ahead and do it. He's still not the liability, in my opinion. But, yeah, he's, he's not to be excused from the blame either. Absolutely. He's, but he's not the Jim, head coach. Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Mullins combined go for 22 of 27 for over 200 yards. It just none of nothing about that is inspiring. Third down and thirty-one oh, inside their yep, own ten-yard was... line, fifty-five-yard run play. Now, and this might be this might be the reason why Avery Williamson said what he said. Alec Ogletree. I didn't get that signing to begin with. Nope. I I, I just don't think he's a good player. And as far as I'm concerned, you could put 135 rushing yards squarely on Alec Ogletree's shoulders. On on the 80-yard run and later on the 55-yard mm-hmm. run, he got sucked so far inside, he couldn't recover and get back out and make a tackle. He's your middle linebacker. Niners did a good job of blocking, hat on a hat and all that. But Ogletree's the guy who's got to be in position to at least stretch the play out and you know, maybe try to run the guy out of bounds, give someone else a mm-hmm. chance to show up and help something. But instead the 130 yards on two carries. And I would put both. I mean, listen, someone, of course someone else can make a play, but it's that middle <laughs> linebacker getting sucked inside and, and, and then having to make up ground that he just cannot make up. Cause he's not, he's not quick enough. Avery yeah. Williams. And I'm, I'm not is, sure about the, uh, I'm not sure about the touchdown they had called back, the 67-yarder, but you could probably assume the same thing there, just out of his assignment and not where he needed to be on the play. And yeah, it's un- funny, I know they were trying to bring back, they're trying to bring back Avery in like just a limited role and gave him 17 snaps. But if Ogletree's not working out that badly, don't give him 34 snaps in the ball game. I mean, they were quick to pull this year in Week One, so you should know your mistakes and pull him sooner and get somebody else in there before you, you gotta pull Ogletree. Turns worse. Yeah, you, you pull Ogletree and you let Williamson play until, I mean, he's not going to take himself out, but you play Williamson no. until the guy upstairs in the booth calls down and says, hey, man, Avery's out of gas. You got you to gotta sub him out. Then mm-hmm. fine. That's when Ogletree goes in. Let Williamson get a breather. But maybe maybe that's why Williamson goes on the radio today and says, yep. yeah, we don't, pra- we don't practice. We, we don't practice well. Um, yep. This is a guy who took a, a got out snapped by a guy off the street. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't, I mean, Greg Williamson or Greg Williams, that that's on you, that Avery Williamson decision. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know why he's not in there, but I saw, I saw a number today. The Jets lead the NFL and miss tackles with 40. Yep. And I think and the it's next, not even and close I think the, next, the second last one, I think. Yeah, I think the next closest team has like 19 or 20-something. So, it, it, it's a disaster. Offense is a disaster. Defense is a disaster. So, sure. I mean, listen, I've been saying for a while, if you're going to fire Gase, you make Greg Williams the head coach. Um, yep. And now, as bad as the defense has been, I w- if, you, if, if firing Greg Williams has to happen in order for Adam Gase to get fired, so be it. I don't care. I don't have an emotional attachment to Greg Williams. I just think that he's a better head coach than Adam Gase. That's not saying much, but but exactly. it's not like you don't have another guy on the staff 
who knows the team, who has the respect in the locker room, who can step in for Adam Gase. And then you got Jim Bob Cooter. Look at Jim Bob Cooter's uh, uh, coaching history. He's got, he's got better offensive numbers as an offensive coordinator than Adam Gase has. The best offensive coordinator yeah, on the Jets is, is the running backs coach. Yep, I, I agree with that. And uh, I've seen a bunch of names floated around Twitter and other areas of other potential candidates, but I think Jim Bob Cooter would be the ideal fit. What he did in Detroit was pretty good. He revitalized that offense from the depth. They were bad. and I mean, he, they, look, he, he, he was the guy who was, so. he was in place when Megatron retired, and people thought that yep. offense was going to tank without Megatron. And they weren't great, but they were better than anything Adam Gates has ever done without Peyton Manning carrying they exceeded him. exceeded expectations for sure. And 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 this this is just I mean, and listen, uh, you know, on on the the topic of the, the 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 possibility of is this team tanking? If and I said this uh, after week one, if you know if they didn't grab a corner because their corners and again now Arthur Mollett to IR, everybody's on IR. Um, but if you don't go out and make a move to get somebody. And I'm not saying you got to go get an all pro. Just go go. You don't have to spend all thirty million. No, no, like I said, I said last week. Yeah, give Prince of Not even that. Spend ten. Give Prince of Mukamara a call. Shore up the cornerback position opposite uh, Bless Austin. Who looks great so far through two games? Get get Demarius Thomas. Get get somebody. The Sam Donald can throw the damn football to who's proven they can catch it. And I'm not saying, you know, like I said, these aren't moves that are going to make this team a playoff contender. But are you seriously going to send Sam Donald out there every week with supporting cast like this? Yeah, you and just Joe can't Douglas do it to, to, me, to Sam Donald. No, and you can't look at what's going on and continue the free passes for Joe Douglas. I'm like everybody mm-hmm. else. I, I love the hire. I said the second they fired Mac that – you know, I thought it was a dumb way to do it, to let him run a draft and spend all that money and then fire him. But I, it, I said it's dumb, but it's worth it if you can get Joe Douglas. And they got Joe Douglas. Yep. And I was, not just me, but a whole lot of people following the draft were like, what the hell did Joe Douglas just do? Why, why did he have nine, ten draft picks in the, in this with this deep receiver class? And he comes out with one receiver. Mm-hmm. And and now as a result of that, now we got Josh Malone back on the active roster. Nothing against Josh Malone. I'm sure he's a great guy. And Brett looks. I like. I kind of like Braxton Berrios. Kind of anxious to see what he can do in an expanded role. Right. But that doesn't change the fact that th- this team needed a, a few more receivers. And you drafted Absolutely. one. You picked up a couple undrafted guys who you know didn't make the roster. Of course, Kager is still around on the practice squad. It's maddening. I mean, as as much as I disliked the hire, as hard as I've been on Adam Gase, as critical as I've been of Adam Gase, this is – I couldn't imagine it being this bad. I, I, I said before the game, I, I said I'm genuinely curious to see how the running back carries are distributed. or mm-hmm. Because I, I really thought it's probably going to be something like, Gore's going to see 12 to 15. P. Ryan's going to see 8 to 12. And Bowles will see 5 to 7. Nope. Which is what Gore, the normal Gore. person would expect. 
Yes. Gore, 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 gore. P. Ryan, gore, 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 gore. it was too late. Yeah. Yeah. A minute left in the game. A minute left in the game. Let's give P. Ryan three carries. Let's give Balaj a carry. It's unbelievable. And you know what? The idiot might do it again this week. Which, again. He will. Which tells me he has the green light to tank, or he's the most incompetent head coach we've ever seen. Rich Kotite yeah. no longer holds that title because this no, guy. I think uh, they're not going to win. I, wasn't, they're not gonna beat. I was young. I don't. I wasn't. But this is definitely the worst I've seen. I'm only 25, but this is the worst I've seen from the Jets in quite a long time. This is pretty much yeah. embarrassing to this point. Kotite, I mean, 37. Kot- snaps for Frank Gore and nobody else sees double digit snaps. This is just, it's, 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 it's literally embarrassing. There's no other way to put it lightly or it's just, it's downright embarrassing. And it, it does allude to the fact that he is either given the green light to not care and it is what it is. Maybe they're blame COVID in the off season or something for being unprepared, but it just does not look like they even care to put a winning product on the field. And that, listen, there, there. Again, I, I hate to keep repeating it, but I, I can't. I'm trying to come to a logical conclusion as to why we would see what we're seeing, and those are the only two options. That Adam Gase mm-hmm. is far more incompetent than any of us ever could have imagined, or they have the green light to tank. That's it. Because, and and especially if we see it again this week. Because, as I said, and I'm, I'm kind of pissed off because I haven't had a chance to watch the All-22. Last week, I don't know why, NFL.com in Europe, England, it seems like it's a, it, things run a little slower out here in terms of when the All-22 is uploaded. I didn't get access to it until mid-late Thursday last week. And so then today, I mm-hmm. thought, well, it's not going to be up. And then about 45 minutes ago, I thought, let me just check for the hell of it. And it was up. But, of course, I didn't have time to yeah. watch it because I, I had like 40 minutes. No time to slow things down, make notes. But to me, on the live view, it sure as hell looked like there were some running lanes for the running back. And I'm just I'm watching this game, and I'm thinking to myself, when are we going to see a younger, more explosive back? Okay, let's. And then when he pulls Frank Gore, mm-hmm. he pulls him on fourth and one to let Josh Adams get one carry, where Greg Van Roten whips on a block, and then that's it. It's back to Frank Gore for the next however many that carries. The whole scenario is just mind-boggling in itself. If if you know you're going for it on fourth and short, you dial up something better than a Frank Gore inside dive on third and one. And if that is the play call and that's you're sticking to it, which he said in the interview, he had a third and one dialed up to Brashad Perriman, which he was already hurt. So how do you have a play designed for Brashad Perriman at that point? Um, and then he had to switch out of it to the Frank Gore run. Uh, if you're going to run them on third and one, just run them again on fourth and one. You, if you don't trust them four yards or four carries in a row, what are we doing here? It, it's it's silly. Then you put Josh Adams in for his only carry of the game, really, and mm-hmm. boom, blown up. That's it. And then yeah, he and says, I'm, I'm, oh, the left guard misses a block, which he did, but it's the play call. It starts with the play call. And then no confidence in Sam to give him the ability to – open up the playbook on any scenario. I'm sorry, if your quarterback shows that much promise like Sam has over the years, 
you give him full range of the playbook in almost any scenario. And it's more of a uh, power thing, I think, with Gase uh, not yeah, letting I was going to say, unless you're, an, there. It's, unless you're an egomaniac. Yep, ego. yep, unless 100%. you're an egomaniac, a damn control freak who has to, who has to dictate every single decision. Do you have your yep. quarterback go out there and not have the authority to make a change in the line? You, you see, you see Lamar Jackson come off the field on third and three when they just failed to pick up a first down, and he's angry and he's yelling at Jim Harbaugh to let him go back on the field to go convert that fourth down. You think he's going to give him a couple plays? No, he gives him the whole playbook and says, "Go make that first down." I have the confidence in you, and Gates just needs to do that to Sam because. More often than not, Sam will prove, and he'll actually make Gase look better for it if he just lets him do it. That's the first down, in my opinion. And that, honestly, if things don't work out for Sam Darnold in New York, that might be his downfall, the fact that he's not assertive. Mm -hmm. I think he's a passive kid. He's too quiet. He's a a respectful kid who's going to do what he's told, and he's not going to say, listen, dude, like we need to run this. This is what's going to work right now. I don't see him be, and maybe he does. I it just, I don't get that feeling. And 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 his, the not just the response, but sort of the tone of his response when he was asked by Brian Costello of the New York Post, "Hey Sam, on that fourth and one, do you have the authority?" And and I mm-hmm. do like the way I I like the way Costello worded that. Instead of saying, mm-hmm. "Why didn't you change out of that play, Sam? Do you have the authority, the ability, whatever he said?" to change that play, or do you have to stick with what they call? Uh, we, just, we stick with what they call. And he, he said it. Which he, means he, he does Donald, So he says it in the nicest possible way, nicest tone of, oh, we stick yep. with what they call. It, yeah, that's, no, I'm not allowed to do that. I'm not allowed to make a change at the line. And then they ask Adam Gase about it. Oh, he can change some plays, but he can't change other plays, and he can only play, change plays sometimes. Yep. When, when does he get to change the play? In garbage time? Is that why that's the only time they score? Exactly. It's a, it's a damn first embarrassment. And, 10, yeah. and I'll tell you, the no first what, thing that the only, the only good it's thing hard to find a... the only good thing that comes out of this weekend is that this game was apparently one of the lowest rated Jets games in team history on television. That it's yeah. those are the types of things ownership is going to have to see. Yep. Yeah, ownership is going to have to see that and go. Hang on a minute. If people aren't willing to take three hours out of their day to watch the game from their couch in the comfort of their own home, what is this going to say for driving with the nightmare, dealing with the nightmare traffic in and out of our stadium on Sundays when fans are allowed to come back? You won't watch it yep. from your couch. And that traffic is hell. <laughs> it is a friggin' I've sat in that car, that parking lot for hours waiting to just get out of my damn spot. It's a joke. Yep. I, mm-hmm. I I don't I hear fans talk about other stadiums where they walk out they get in their car and they're home in an hour they're out of the lot in five minutes I think they're lying you may as well talk to me about the damn twilight zone that is such yep. such a thing cannot exist in my mind that's fantasy land in in uh, it's it's, it's a dreamland it's a goddamn yeah. utopia <laughs> you think fan you think fans are gonna put up with that after after they're not willing to sit down on their couch and turn the game on and watch this disaster. That's the only, that is the only way I listen. This team does not fire coaches in season. They just don't do it. No, it doesn't matter whether they deserve it or not. They don't do it. They let them coach out the season. 
people are saying, oh, Chris Johnson, you know, I refuse to believe it's a money thing. I mean, these guys are billionaires with a B. Yeah. Do you know what $5 million is to a billionaire? I mean, yeah, they'll Jesus eat that. it would be like someone asking you if you could reverse the Jets' fortunes for $3.50, would you do it? And you'd be like, I don't know, man, three fifty. Like, that's yeah, nothing. Exactly. That is pennies when your team is tanking. Your fans are tuning mm-hmm. out featuring a 37-year-old running back as the centerpiece of your offense. So I refuse to believe that's what it is. Will the Jets fire Adam Gase in season? I think the only way that happens is if it, they, the losses like this have to pile up. A few more mm-hmm. losses like this. I talked to someone earlier. They made a good point. They said, look, man, Thursday night is against Denver on national TV against their backup quarterback. If another backup quarterback kicks their ass up and down the field and they come away with another damn field goal and a garbage time touchdown, I mean, you can't be – well, you think you can't be any, any more of a laughing stock that than they are. The, you the you can't. You, can, no, you can't. You can't. Even, even that the fact Monday that you, would, or That Friday would have to be it for Gates. And you would think. So there, there's that one part of me that has that sliver of hope that if things go that way, they can fire Gase mm-hmm. or that they will fire Gase. But my concern is that right now, these first two weeks, they have been so bad that it's almost difficult to fathom being worse. And if there is even the slightest bit of improvement, that can be ownership going, oh, look, we're starting to turn things around. That's progression. Oh, we yep. we only lost by 20 this week. Uh, a P. Ryan had 40 yards rushing, and uh, Denzel Mims came back and had a catch. So things are trending in the right direction. You know, a 20-point loss. 20... combing that to find a good positive yeah. to keep them around. Exactly. I mean, when when you're yeah. this bad, it's like it's like someone being 150 pounds overweight and being like, I lost four ounces this week. Come on now. Like let's, totally let's deal with it. reality here. Yeah, exactly. You can't you can't really tell. We need significant change on that field, I think, to save his job. And it doesn't get easier. The schedule does not get easier even after that Denver game. You have Arizona, then you go to L.A., Buffalo, Ooh, Kansas City, New England, that Kansas City, Miami, that Kansas Miami. City game. Oh my God, that Kansas City game. I, if I'm the Chiefs. I let Pat Mahomes play the first quarter and then I pull him. Like, just get your reps. Yeah. You know, do, you need do a, your you work need a for the week. point lead on New York to win the game at this point. Uh, really, the game was over goal. after the first play. Yeah, the game was yeah. over after the first play of the 49ers. We proved that we can only score six points when it counts. So, even if they didn't score again, we were going to struggle to win that game. And, and again, the people defending Adam Gase are going to point to the injuries. And I don't want to hear it. And I don't want to hear no. that Chris Herndon had a fumble last week and a drop this week. It's not enough. He's a tight end. He's getting two or three targets a week coming back from a year off from injury. He's going to need to get exactly. into a rhythm. He's going to need some And reps. he wasn't a first-round pick or, you know, some highly coveted prospect coming out of the draft. He was a fourth-round pick that, truthfully, the Jets just got lucky on in what it seems that, no one really was like, oh, we found Chris Herndon. That was our guy the whole time. It seems like they stumbled into him and his abilities. So, Well, I, I will, I will that, say um, I, I happen to remember this because, um, and, uh, of course, Dylan, uh, uh, 
you probably didn't hear it, but after that draft, uh, I believe it was after the rookie minicamp, uh, we had, I believe it was when we had Manish Maidon. It was one of the writers, I believe it was Manish, um, who said that, that Herndon was the guy the Jets were raving about, that the Jets internally were like, we, we got a steal. This guy is going to be the steal of this class for us, starting tight end for years to come. So the Jets were internally very high on Chris Herndon. Hmm. Um, and rightfully so. Well, that is good to hear play. And th- these, listen, these, these fans, these idiot fans who give up on guys after a mistake or two. Like, what must yep. it be like to go through life where you are so goddamn perfect that you see a guy make a mistake and you're like, oh, time to get rid of him, to put him on the bench. I wish get, we could go get, back get out to of here. the the Detroit game. It's disgusting. When Sam Darnold threw a pick six on the first yep. play. Should, should have and I want to see everybody's immediate reaction to w- just that one play. And I wish people could stick to that opinion of Sam Darnold because they'd look like real fools right now. And it was if, if you think back, it was the same thing with Herndon. He, um, his rookie mm-hmm. year, he had a drop in his first game. And they were like, oh, another wasted pick, another bust. Good job, McCagnin. And I, now I, that was one of the years that I was able to attend training camp. And I saw Chris Herndon making leaping, diving, fully extended catches left and right. I knew this guy could catch the damn football. And I was, mm-hmm. I was beside myself. I was like, you morons. Like, it's a drop. It's one drop. Exactly. People, They're not robots. People are insane. People are so out of their minds. It's, it's, it's unexplainable. Giving up on guys because of a drop, because of a fumble. Oh, he fumbled. Listen, maybe, maybe you don't take the guy who's probably, again, the, the one player that gives you the ability to create mismatches down the field if you run him up the seam. Maybe you don't throw him tight end screens behind the line of scrimmage to get things going. Mm-hmm. That's not what he's built for. Yeah. No, his. His game. It's not his strength anyway. He can do it. Yeah, and and the the drop was ugly. He should have held on to that. Um, (laughs) But it's if you watch the replay, I watched the replay on network. It it does look like that even if he holds on to that ball, as as he's coming down, his right foot isn't on the ground and he lands out of bounds. So I'm watching that and I'm thinking, well, even if he holds on, that's not a catch. Um, But whether or not it is, whether or not it is. He's still got to hang on to the football. That's a valid point. But we're not talking about a juggernaut offense. We're not talking about a team. It's not like you're driving down the field and you only need one big play and you're like, man, we can't go to Herndon right now. He had a a drop earlier. He's killing us. You suck. You're going to be 32nd in the NFL on offense again. You're down by 300 points. Target the hell out of the guy. Let him get into a rhythm. Let him get that chemistry back that he had as a rookie with Sam Darnold so that next week he can be your top guy. I don't, like I said, I don't want to hear about injuries. You didn't when, throw when the ball the 20 yards one that. time. Every yep. damn when throw you see was other inside teams, of 20 yards. You know, when you see other teams down in ball games, you don't see them running these basically give-up type drives and plays. You see them dialing up plays you probably haven't seen throughout the game before trying to target their best players, whether it's a running back or a wide receiver or tight end, you just see them doing that throughout the game, trying to come back. And it's like 14 points up, wash my hands. I'm on to Indianapolis. That's what it seemed like midway through the second quarter with Gase. It's just giving up, just no, 
no lack of competitive spirit in him. And it's in the players. You could tell it's in the players, but it's just not on the sidelines. Yeah, it's listen, it's it's absolutely maddening. And as I said, Adam Gase is either infinitely worse than any of us ever could have imagined, or ownership has told him, don't worry about winning any games this year. Go out there, get your three yards at a time, and and get that number one pick. Which 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 brings us to the question, because this has been talked about a little bit. I hate even getting into it. But Dylan, yep. you get that number one pick. Are you taking Trevor Lawrence? Or are you trying to trade down and get a few more number one picks? Because, of course, you've got two already. And let's say some team that's sitting at four or five, and they need a quarterback, and they're willing to say, all right, we'll give you two ones, two twos, and a three to move up four or five spots. You drop down to five, you probably get a receiver, maybe a stud O-lineman. Because, listen, if, you know, everyone's saying that Sewell's or Sewell's going to be the second pick, if uh, we see this every mm-hmm. year, man, if a few quarterbacks get hot, you can go quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. So if you're trading oh, down yeah. to four or five, you might be able to get the best offensive lineman in the draft. And I'll tell you what, you want to team that guy at at, at right tackle with Beckton at left tackle? I mean, that, that's actually that's what we're going to get into now. Let's 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 forget about this this Lawrence draft trade. Right. Let's get away from that for a second. Let me let me lower my blood pressure, and let's <laughs> let let's talk about the few bright spots, Dylan. We 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 all watched the game, we all saw the replays, we've all seen the Baldy breakdowns. I'm looking forward to looking yep. at the All 22 tomorrow, uh, maybe yep. late tonight. It's friggin' uh, you know midnight or whatever here in England. I don't know if I'm going to stay up till three to watch the All 22. But Makai Becton, I mean, listen, even like I was I was super optimistic about the guy very early on in the process. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, I'm talking like weeks after the season ended. I remember I did an article where I pointed out three or four players. I said, you know, here are here are three or four guys that can enter the conversation at at uh, in at the Jets spot in the draft, and Makai Becton was the first guy I listed because I watched him and just thought, Jesus, what a freak of nature! I cannot believe this guy is a projected second rounder right now. And within a week or two of me. Uh, you know, saying, I think this guy can enter the conversation. I believe it was Daniel Jeremiah had him going like three overall. Um, uh, and yeah. I went, well, That's I went, there, there, yeah, I said, well, there, there's any talk of him being a second rounder. He might not be there when the Jets pick. Mm-hmm. But you, you go believe, back. Yeah, it was and you, like right after the combine or right before the combine, I think. Yeah, it, it was It was actually well before the combine. It, it was he, not long after. He, he had I him mean, going to the Giants, uh, I think, in a mock draft yeah, yeah. or something. He had him going to the it Giants. It just started the wildfire of Beckton. Yeah, it was. It was, I believe and, it was, I believe it was his, I, th- I believe it was Jeremiah's <clears throat> Mach 1.0. It was his earliest wow. one. Um, but I, I went and I, I, I watched him and we know college isn't the pros and things that you do mm-hmm. in college aren't always going to translate, but you're watching him throw these guys across the damn field in college. And you're like, well, all right, he might dominate in the NFL, but he's not going to be tossing guys aside. Yeah. He won't oh, yes, throw he people. Is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. He had other Sumo plans. Makai Beckton, I'm gonna get my, my I'm gonna put my palm up against your ear hole 
and I'm going to send you flying to the ground. And then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, uh, what, what do they call that? I, I haven't watched wrestling since I was a little kid. What do they call it when, uh-huh. you, just, when you just like, like body splash, whatever just, the hell like you call Like a dive bomb, yeah, body slam. <laughs> I, I, is that what they call it? I don't know. I, saw, I, I stopped watching wrestling when I was like 12. Um, I know yeah. not everybody did. <laughs> but this guy, he just, he pancakes people. I'm, I'm going to palm against uh. your ear hole. Toss you to the ground and then fall on you. And then yeah, and then I'm just gonna now here comes nearly 400 pounds of human being on top of you, and he's doing it. And it's like injury. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like all right, he's not gonna do it as frequently as he did it in college, but he's still doing it. He's still tossing guys. You keep telling yourself you see it a little bit, and you're like, okay, well, he's only done it a couple times. He can't like sustain this amount of throw power throughout the game. And even week one against Jerry Hughes, it's like wow, he's putting him on the ground three times. And, and then and this you know week what, again, he's just big bodies on the ground. <laughs> you know what's funny? And, and we all do this. We're all guilty of this to some degree. Um, when we look at sites like PFF or any any site that breaks down or analyzes players, we're always like, well, you can't take it too seriously. You got to take it with a grain of salt. They really don't, you know, it's not the mm-hmm. be all end all. It's not the Bible, blah, blah, blah. But then I see a tweet from PFF that says Makai Becton is the top rated rookie. I'm like, hell yeah, PFF. They know what the hell they're doing. Yep. You. You like exactly. my guy? PFF knows what they're talking about. You have Mikai Becton 20th among rookies. I'm like, screw you, PFF. You don't know what the hell you're doing. But listen, yeah. number one rated. But listen, Damian Woody. Damian Woody loves to. I believe it was Damian Woody today who said Mikai Becton is all like right now today. Not will be. Not the future. Right now, Mikai Becton is one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Two games in. I mean, wow. The, the Jets That's couldn't hope for any better. Yeah, I. You know, I. I actually kind of. You know, I, I wish I wish Bosa had played the whole game. I would have loved to have seen that matchup all day long. Yeah, I mean, you you, was, you talk was, about a test, you'll get a better test than that. Yeah, so, it was one of our talking points all week. It was like everywhere you look in the Niners Jets pregame, it was Bosa versus Becton, and what can the rookie do to stop him? And unfortunately, we didn't get to see it fully. But yeah, I'm 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 not even sure how many. Uh, how many reps Bosa played? I mean, it couldn't have been more than a yeah, handful. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't go back and look at exactly how many he played, but I'm actually I'm going to look it up right now. Um, yeah, because it was because, the second you know, quarter. I remember we were driving in the second quarter, and then the back-to-back plays him and then Solomon Thomas. And at that moment, really I thought we had a chance. It was like yeah, he only nothing, uh, or fourteen to three, and I thought we had a chance, but he only had four pass rush snaps, so not much of a. Not much of a day yeah. against Becton. But listen, Becton looks phenomenal, and you love to mm-hmm. see it. Alex Lewis has done a nice job. But m- moving along that offensive line, um, I don't know when it's time to start worrying about Connor McGovern, but he doesn't look like the Connor yeah. McGovern the Denver Broncos had. He doesn't look anything like that guy. Now, he was pulled with no. a hamstring. They took him out late in the game. I don't know if he was playing with a bad hamstring during the game, but he didn't look all that great during week one. So uh, are you concerned about that at all? Yeah, I definitely am. I personally am a big uh, value centers. Um, I think they're the second most important position along the offensive line after left tackle. So after the experiences we've had at center, you know, with Spencer Long and all the other failed projects since Mangold, it was almost like a breath of fresh air when we had McGovern come in and you know, Denver wasn't all too pleased with him, but it was much of an improvement over what we had. So 
now that after this, you know, he could miss a couple of games and it's a hamstring, which is one of those lingering injuries. So we never know what the full spectrum of the injury could be. It could be one game. It could be three. Who knows? Well, we listen, could not see him 100% healthy until I, the bye. I had people telling me uh, week one of training camp to relax. Denzel Mims will be back in a few days. Yeah, exactly. How many times were we told by Gates in the press conference before practice that, you know, we'll see him in a, in a day or two or, you know, Saturday we'll see him. And then after the scrimmage, oh, next week, maybe I gauged the injury wrong. And these are hamstrings. These aren't, these aren't, it's almost like the soft tissue injuries. They're just too hard to get. It's, that's, he might end up on IR. We have no idea. And then we have Josh Andrews and Connor McDermott, maybe. I don't know what they would plan to do with their backup situation, but. <clears throat> yeah, and. and uh, it doesn't look too, too great. I'll tell you what, if they, if they run Josh Andrews out there in place of McDermott and he gets, and he gets blown up, that, that Joe Douglas honeymoon is going to look that much worse. I didn't like the idea of letting Jonathan Harrison go. Jonathan Harrison mm-hmm. is not Nick Mangold. He's not Kevin Mawai, but he's a solid backup at the center position. I mean, he's on a team now. He, he was going to get picked up. I was going to say Buffalo he signed him. to Buffalo. Yep. Buffalo, yeah, Buffalo signed him. Um, so if you go to Andrews, who has I, – I don't think he's got 100 career reps. He, he hasn't played. He got um, 19 last week. And yeah. And it kind of got lost in the shuffle of everything – you know, the the disappointment in the game itself and other than – so I didn't get to see exactly what he looked like, but there wasn't any glaring spots, but that doesn't mean a full game of him is doable, let alone a long – or short-term – Yeah, he – again, you know, with saying PFF isn't the be-all, end-all, which they aren't, his uh, – I when I looked earlier, his pass block grade was horrendous. Um, oh, jeez. And it was, uh, I mean, it was. They were mostly throwing the ball when he was in there. Um, mm-hmm. I can pull it up right. I can pull it up right now. Um, now that I think about it, that Sam scramble, fourteen pass came block from reps. The center that pressure. Well, here's the crazy thing: uh, fourteen pass block reps. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, graded out at thirteen point four as a pass blocker. Um, but the uh, the surprising thing is that's. Better than Connor McGovern, who graded out at an eleven point five. Um, oh, so, yeah, so some ugliness at center. And like I said, if this guy comes out and Sam Donald is running for his life again because the center can't play, and you let Jonathan Harrison go, um, following the Ryan Khalil debacle, following the fact that you're in charge of a roster that right now doesn't have any wide receivers on it, you let Robbie Anderson walk. How's that working out? How's that mm-hmm. working out? He threw money but he's at not Brashawn a number one receiver. Four but he catches has out of ankles. But he can only run one route. I'm watching him run slants. I'm watching him run digs. He's got over 100 yards in both games. Somebody today, some some analyst, uh, I forget who it was. Someone tweeted it out. Uh, <laughs> said uh, the top ten, top ten route runners I've seen so far this season, and Robbie Anderson was on there. Um, of course. Yeah, that's that's not looking like a great. I, I I never I said it last week. I've never in my life seen a guy who fans who hate him they use his explosive plays as proof that he sucks. Like the number yeah, of people. I didn't hear you someone say did the other day. After week one, after week one, I tweeted it out uh, about you know Robbie with the seventy yard touchdown catch, and somebody was like, "Yeah, there he goes again, one big play." I'm like, yeah. And, 
Exactly. And, like, and it wasn't we, on just a streak route. It was a double move where he put Damon Arnett on skates. Absolutely. So, absolutely. And I've, I've never seen a player. Game and he came over to the sideline. He said, 20's huffing and puffing. He can't run with me. Put on a little double move. 20 goes falling down, and next thing you know, he's in the end zone. So Exactly. And I, and you want to just I, throw I money at Brashad Perriman instead of giving a couple more million to yeah, thank God, thank God chemistry built player. Thank God Brashad Perriman doesn't run a, a, a go route. Thank God Brashad Perriman can run a seven-yard comeback. Whew. Man, where would they yeah, be without yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's unbelievable. I, I've be, literally I never seen it. The biggest indictment on Joe Douglas is going to be the wide receiver position. Uh when it's all said and done, because this group is just embarrassing. I mean, I like some of the players. I mean, like we were saying, Barrios, we like him, but if they don't get Crowder back anytime soon and Mims, you know, isn't spectacular out the gates, you know, you know, Twitter's going to be on Denzel as soon as he drops a pass. So we need to see great things from this unit going forward or else. What, what do we have to hang our, uh, our hat on with Joe Douglas other than the O-line that's clearly one injury away from being a liability as I sit here and rewatch Sam Darnold's touchdown pass. The pressure and, came and straight through from Van Roten and Josh Andrews. Josh Andrews didn't even touch the guy. Yeah, that's not that's not a good thing. Um, but what, no. uh, one thing that could, could help Joe Douglas a bit more is, um, first of all, these guys have to get healthy um mm-hmm. but my, my and I said I said before the season my hope my prediction was that by the time the year ended um Cam Clark would be a starter at one of the guard spots and uh I'll tell you what if Van Roten keeps playing this way and Cam oh, yeah. Clark comes back healthy uh I would almost say maybe you see Alex Lewis move to right guard and you move Cam Clark to left or whatever however you work it right um Van yeah. Roten could like be to on a short leash to Mackay personally but at, that's yeah, exactly that. Take him at right guard for now and put him between right. Fant and McGovern, between two veterans, and say, hey, go learn, and then maybe switch them over, yeah. But the yeah, other so, thing with the rookies is you, we've had nine draft picks plus Quincy Wilson, and five rookies haven't even seen the field. So, I know. And a, lo- a lot James of guys Morgan, hurt. will he ever see the field? So, Well, yeah, hope not. But uh, I, exactly. I think you don't you want know, him to. That, that's <laughs> That, that's the thing with, you know, somebody like Bryce Hall. Um, he's he's mm-hmm. one guy, you know, you, you knew he fell because of the injury in, in the draft. But uh haven't really heard a time frame. Like, is he even going to be – Nope. Is he are, – are they thinking midseason? Are they thinking week 15? Like, will he be on the field? But uh, the Quincy Wilson move, I didn't like that at the time. I said it. People criticized me for it. I said, why it not take no a receiver in that spot? With the amount that they've used him, exactly. Take a swing on yeah. any of those – wide receivers that were going to be undrafted free agents that you, again, didn't sign after the draft. Yeah, well, even, you know, Lawrence Cager they, and George Campbell. Yeah, and some of those some of those seventh-round receivers or sixth-round guys, uh, Juwan Jennings out of uh, Tennessee, I really liked. I think he was still on the board. Yep. So I, I would have liked yep. to have seen something like that. But Joe Douglas – Joe Douglas can kind of save himself a little bit here. If Let's say, let's say uh, these rookies start getting healthy – and, and just make some plays. Jabari Zuniga gets himself a couple sacks. Um, yeah, I'm excited you know, to see what he can do. All we of a sudden you're in business. And, and speaking of that, speaking of that, uh, Dylan, moving to the other side of the ball for some positives, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not a big predictor. I'm not a big, 
this guy needs to do this today. This guy needs to do that today. But with Quinn and Williams, <clears throat> I have been a huge proponent of Quinn and Williams. Huge supporter. Yep. Love the pick. I've said a million times this offseason he was going to have a monster year. Week one, had a couple more of those. Well, got close, but didn't close the deal. And to me, I gave him a pass. I'm like, all right, look, it's Josh Allen. He moves better than most he quarterbacks gave him the in the Leonard Williams pass in week uh, one. Exactly. And it was because yep. of Josh Allen's mobility. But I tweeted out before yep. the game. I said, I said we, we got to see a sack from him today. Like, he's got to do something to show. And I get that guys take time to develop. But we're still taught. I mean, he had two and a half sacks as a rookie. And for those of you who, for those of you who recall, one of them came when a guard for the Dolphins pulled and no one filled that hole. And he was literally unblocked. He just walked into yeah. the backfield and fell on the quarterback. So for all intents and purposes, in terms of having to beat the man in front of him, he had one and a half sacks as the third overall <laughs> pick. That's not going to cut it. But I said a million times this offseason, anyone giving up on this kid or saying he didn't have a good year, you're, you're, you're too in love with the fantasy football. Like you can do things yep. that don't show up on the stat sheet. We saw him have great reps against elite guards and elite centers where he didn't get to the quarterback, but he was putting guys on skates, driving them into the backfield. And we saw that against Zach Martin. We saw that against Kelsey in Philadelphia. So he was beating up some really good players. And I thought, this week, he's got to do it. I don't want to hear that he's facing a good old line because San Fran does have some good blockers up there. I don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. When you're the third overall pick, you're supposed to be able to take over games against other good players. You're not a, you're not a great player, if you have to wait till you play a, a, a garbage uh, blocker, uh, you know, on the other side of you. It's like Adam Gase who says, oh, thank God someone finally mentioned that the Bills defense is good. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, sorry, Adam. We didn't mean to imply that you should find a way to score against the good teams. Yeah, please, by all means, another free pass. Um, so, yeah. So I said before the game, we got to see a sack from this kid today. And Quinn and Williams went out, played his best game as a pro for my money up until the, up until this last Sunday, last year, uh, the second matchup against the Dolphins was probably his best game as a pro where he just, you know, mm -hmm. just blew up into the backfield several times. And that's the thing sometimes, and, and you know, people are like, Oh, big deal. So what in that Miami game? Look how many, look how many times he didn't, he, he, he ran past the, the, the running back, the running back got away. The, the quarterback ducked under him. And it's like, look, like baby steps. The important part here is that he ragdolled the dude in front of him and flew into the backfield. Like once he yeah, settles down a little, result. yeah, like let him yeah. get himself under control. Again, same as the Chris Herndon thing. Like these guys aren't perfect from day one. And I, I've literally seen people on the, on the forums on Jet Nation, which if you are not on the forums at JetNation.com, get on the forums at JetNation.com. There's some lunatics on there, to wild. be fair. But there are some good, well-meaning, mm -hmm. well-intended, genuine Jets fans who care about this team. And but there are some lunatics. But you're going to get that in any population. Anyway, I digress. Absolutely. Um, yeah, complaining that a guy is flying into the backfield. Oh, but who who cares? He missed the quarterback. All right, he's 21 years old. He's 22 years old. Can he please have 10 minutes to get acclimated? So I I was I was willing to like excuse here pass there like he's a rookie he's young high ankle sprain finding his way not a lot of help on that line but after week one when i'm like okay dude like 
you, you almost got there. We but wanted we, a little as, bit more, yeah. <laughs> as, as you said, we said it with Leonard Williams. We said it with Quentin Copels. Um, You know, there's always these guys yeah. who are like, oh, but he's getting pressures, which isn't a bad thing. Like, good players, yeah. you can have four sacks, but, you know, 35, 45 pressures, that's not a bad year. But when you're the third overall pick and you're supposed to be a dominant force, you got to start closing the deal on some of these. And he did it in a big way. Huge game, seven tackles, two for loss, fourth fumble, two sacks. Quinn and Williams appears to have arrived, giving Jets fans a reason to tune in. Uh, you know, if, if you've, I mean, even though the season is over, you're going to want to watch some of these kids play. What was your overall impression of Quinn and Williams and his coming out party? Uh, overall, I mean, there was, it was re- very refreshing to see because I wrote about him in the, in the process of him coming out in the draft. I wrote about him for Jet Nation. So he was one of those that I really had my eye on, and I was really pushing that I wanted the Jets to take him at three, even though, you know, hindsight, there might have been another player that could have worked out better. I know a lot of the fans loved Ed Oliver in the process, and but I loved Quinn and Williams. So I, I'm just like you. I stuck with him all last year, even with the, the BS in the offseason at the airport. I, you know, I sat there, I was like, you know what? He's a young kid. He doesn't understand the laws. It's New York. It's, it, it'll swallow you up, but this was, this was what we needed. And I hope going forward, it, it sustains. He's got another tough task this week in the Colts, but I think it was a great foundation for what he could actually be as a pro. Yeah. And, and I, not to get into it too much, I, I think I've mentioned it on the show, but I'll just touch on it real quickly. We don't have the details of what happened at the airport in New York, in New York with right. the gun charge, <clears throat> but I will say, it, it, this is a very weird coincidental thing. I had literally, within 24, 48 hours prior to that incident, I happened to watch a video uh, that somebody sent me about the the bureaucracy, big government overreach um, that New York City has in <clears throat> when dealing with the TSA and people traveling with guns. So mm-hmm. if you if you don't know any better and you're not from New York and you go to the TSA website, the TSA, and again, I don't know that this is what happened with Quinn and Williams, but this is just to give you an example of how backward the system is and how something like this could very easily happen to someone who is not breaking the law. Um, if you go to the TSA website, they give you video instructions like, if you are traveling with a gun, here is how you do it. And they were literally, they showed the video, they were interviewing people who were traveling. I think one of them may have been Alabama, but they were traveling to and from New York. They called the TSA ahead of time, said, I'm traveling, I have a gun, how do I travel? They said, do this, disassemble, make sure there's no, uh, make sure it's not loaded, make sure the, the, mm-hmm. the rounds and the weapon themselves are, are isolated in different parts, blah, blah, blah. These people did exactly what the TSA told them, they sh- and they said, when you check in at the gate, tell the agent that you have a gun packed by TSA standards and all of these people did it to the letter and they were all arrested. So it's like, what, what the hell? And New York wow. was like, oh, we don't care. We don't care. That's not our law. And these people were like, right, but the TSA said to do it this way. Well, we don't care. You're not allowed to have one guy. One, there was a dude who got arrested. He had a, a, I, I don't know if it was an M16. I think it was an M16, a magazine, no gun, no rounds, just a magazine. In his bag, and they arrested him. Um, wow. So yeah, 
So you can be a totally 100% law-abiding traveler doing 100% mm-hmm. the right thing, calling the TSA, visiting their website, following their instructions to the letter, and New York will arrest you. So, again, I don't know whether that's what happened with Quinn and Williams, but just to give you an idea how backward the system is and nobody's on the same page because that's what the hell – nobody's on the same page anymore anywhere, no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yes, very exciting, very exciting to see Quinn and Williams – you know, finally, uh, finally rising to the top and and showing up with his A game. And uh, and speaking of showing up with your A game, let's uh, let's give a shout out to our sponsor, Mile Social, who always bring their A game. Mile Social, listen, if you're a business owner, small business, medium sized business, big business, whatever it may be, and you're trying to run your business and you've got a bunch of social media platforms to run and you're not sure how to manage your Twitter account, and your Facebook account, and your TikTok account, and your Instagram account. Contact Mile Social, M-I-L-E Social. That's milesocial.com, M-I-L-E Social.com. Give them a call. They'll help you out, whether it's your Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Mile Social's got you covered. They'll kind of go through the algorithms with you, show you what you'll want to do to get more customers onto your website, onto your platforms, and into your door. Contact milesocial.com. All right. So Quinn and Williams looking like a stud. Mackay Becton looking like a stud. Sam Darnold being treated like a baby. Um, so, you know, two out of three in terms of the last three first-round picks. I don't know where this goes from here. I mean, nobody knows. It, it's it's absolutely mind-numbing to, to watch this team do the things that they're doing. Um, you know, we talked about the Avery Williams, Williamson comments. We talked about uh, the McDonald comments. It seems that uh, players are starting to speak out. And in a way that's not very uh, complimentary of Adam yeah, Gates. The, um, I think the the biggest part about the Avery Williamson that I took away from it is the fact that it started with a quote from Bradley McDougal, who has only been here since the end of July. And his quote was, we aren't winning practices. And that's not good. Even for week two in a weird off season and yada, 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 COVID this. <clears throat> that's not good to hear from somebody that comes from Seattle who hasn't had a losing season. And I don't know, as long as Russell Wilson's been there, you know, so it's not and a it's, good start. And it's believable. It's believable. Listen, mm-hmm. we told, we mentioned it earlier when you're leading the NFL in tackles and have nearly double, or, sorry, missed tackles and you're nearly double what the, what the next closest team is. Is it surprising to hear two defensive players come out and say, yeah, we really don't, we really don't, you know, we don't practice well. We come out, we, we practice flat. And I think that, um, the, the, you know, those are the type of things. You start talking about getting blown out by backups, respected veterans saying you don't practice hard, fans not tuning in for games, you know, record low television ratings. You might see, uh, it might, I'm, I'm hoping like hell that this is enough to get Adam Gase shown the door. But unless. Uh, if, not, if not this, then what? At that exactly. Point. I mean, what less exactly. does this team need to do? They need to create a 33rd team in the league that is automatically more productive than the Jets on offense for them to realize. I mean, but the only positive thing I, I guess I could say about the Gates firing is the world seems to now have shifted the focus. Week one, it looked like it was Darnold's fault. 
and Darnold looked terrible and all that. And now the focus has shifted way more to Gates, not on Darnold. Now we get, you know, the Darnold trade scenarios and that. But I'm glad that the focus is not on him solely because what can he do? He's 23, limited with his weapons. His best weapon is on IR, all of them really. And the other one is unused in Ryan Griffin. And I, I said it when we did the, the roster prediction that he was going to be the sneaky tight end, too, that if Gates used him, they could actually make it work. And we see a bunch of 11 personnel and inside dive with Gore. <laughs> and now, all right, so this week, this Sunday, the Jets travel to Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I can't see – any scenario where the Jets win a game anytime soon. As a matter of fact, they're already, despite the fact that, <clears throat> as uh, I said, the, the Broncos line. are Broncos are playing their backup quarterback. The Broncos are already favored against the Jets for next Thursday. Uh, wow. Denver's a, Denver is a two and a half point favorite, um, which In is hilarious. It, it's it's just because you, you get some points for being home, which is funny. Yeah, it's yeah exactly. That's basically. Um, I mean, I, uh, it, I was texting or messaging Alex and we were talking about me filling in for him and we were just discussing things about the Jets and we mentioned that. Uh, here, let me pull it up exactly what we were saying. Well, we, yeah, while you're said, doing that. He said, oh, hopefully Rivers gets risky and throws a couple picks. This was yesterday he said that. And I said, it's unfortunate that on a Monday we are talking about the other teams making mistakes to help us win rather than us just going out and playing harder and earning it. And I think yeah. that's kind of where we're at is will it, Philip it, Rivers give us the win by throwing bad passes? And honestly, I think defensive touchdowns is going to be the only thing that puts us over the top. If we could score defensive touchdowns, you know, the play, hey, maybe the we have a chance is- to win. The funny thing is, and and I would have lost, so uh, I'm glad I didn't. But like, I, I don't, I can never bet against the Jets as, as pissed off as I get at them. At them. Um, <laughs> but I, I, it crossed my mind this week. I thought, I think I'm just gonna bet fifty bucks, well, fifty pounds, uh, that they don't score a touchdown because they could still win nine six. Uh, I'm not betting. Yep. I'm not betting they won't win. I'm just betting they won't score right. a touchdown. And I nearly placed that bet, and I thought, no, I'm going to lay off for that one. And I'm glad I did because, of course, they scored the minute 30 left. Uh, so I actually would have been pissed off about that because, you know, the game was lost anyway. But yep. I don't know about you, but for me personally, um, I am really, really <clears throat> looking forward to uh, Quentin Williams going head-to-head with Quentin Nelson. Uh, that can be yeah. – I mean, that that's sort that's, of a, an epic matchup right there, uh, one of the best against so one of the exciting. best or one of the, one of the, the up-and-coming guys. Um, Philip Rivers, of course, will cause problems. And, th- you know, this is kind of where we're at. I- I'm not I'm not looking at these games anymore in terms of what do the Jets have to do to win. I'm looking at them like, okay, where are some matchups where I can see some development from a young player? Because a win yeah, is sort of out of the question. Yeah, yeah, we're just kind of w- the development stage. We'll yeah, get wins to the wins wins later. Game. We're not even out of that. We're We're in diaper phase now. Yeah, it's it's kind of uh you know the the thought of beating anyone 
is uh, that that's I, I don't see that happening um, at all. Yeah, and listen, maybe think. Nope. Listen, may, maybe when Denzel Mims comes back, I don't. But how much can you expect from a rookie who hasn't had a practice? You know what I mean? Exactly. We're putting a lot of hope and expectations onto him coming off this injury, and who knows, he might want to ball out in his first game. Even if he does come back, what is it, week five against Arizona? I mean, they're not a terrible defense. What happens if he pushes it too hard, and now you know he ends up on a season-long IR because. He wasn't a hundred percent. It's just we're in a situation where we're forced to play players that might not be a hundred percent, whether they're rookies or veterans, and it might hurt the development. And that's kind of what we need right now is just development. We're not in it for wins anymore. No, and that's that you know it, it's it's a sad state of affairs, but that's absolutely where they are right now. You can't look at this team and and say what do they have to do to win, because it's just, it's not going to happen. Um, but you know, there, there will be some interesting matchups in this game. We talked about Van Roten. And so, so if Van Roten continues to struggle and you go to Andrews, you got to contend with DeForest Buckner on the inside. Who I mean, has been explosive. He destroyed in that game against Minnesota last week. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the better interior defenders in the league. You're not, you're not going to be faced with putting him up against, uh, Andrews who, again, the guy, I, I'm, I'm going to look that up. Actually. I'm, I'm, uh, and you know, as a matter of fact, I'm, I don't even have to. I, I, he doesn't have an NFL start under his belt. And I believe when the Jets signed him, he had fewer than 100 career snaps in the NFL. Um, now, to look at him, the guy, he's as wide as a damn truck from shoulder to shoulder. You would think he's right. impossible to get past. Um, you know, we'll, we'll find out in time. But um, he's, just, he's not an experienced guy. If you got a you got some really good interior rushers, but you know DeForest Buckner being the best, and and Van Roten struggling, and either McGovern or or Andrews uh, at center, you know that that can get ugly in a hurry. So Sam Darnold could be in for another long day if that interior offensive line doesn't hold up, and that you know that they have some some good players on the edge too who can get to the quarterback. Justin Houston's got himself a couple sacks already. Nico Autry's got a couple of sacks. So, look, yeah, this is two, they're four, not, six, they're got a good defensive front. Yeah, they've so got, uh, they've got, they've got up, eight uh, sacks in two games. And uh, let's see, 10, 14. They've got, uh, they've got about 25 quarterback, 24 quarterback pressures and eight sacks in two games. So, they can get after it. <clears throat> and oh, it, yeah. can make, it, can, it can make for a long day. So we'll see what happens there. So I looked up, I looked up Josh Andrews, and you were right. Coming into that game where he filled in for McGovern last week playing 19 snaps he had 98 career snaps prior to that 61 okay, yeah. in 2019 and 36 in 2018 and then one in 2016 so yeah so yeah, that very that limited. might be that might be our starting center on Sunday against uh an all-world interior D line was uh Jonathan Harrison signed to Buffalo's active roster or they're just their practice squad uh I believe active roster um yeah, I think uh, so too. I was gonna say, is it too late to get him back off their practice squad? Yeah, but well, it I mean, probably that's is. the thing. It's it wouldn't He's make sense to do it because they, they they had him. You know, they they obviously prefer Andrews. So you know, mm-hmm. we'll we'll see what happens there in terms of. But actually, it does look like he is not on their active roster. Um, hmm. I just popped over to the Bills roster here. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Harrison's on the practice squad in Buffalo, but again, it's it's. 
you know, exactly. It's not like yeah. they, they chose and him. Would, they would chose he Andrews be over happy him. to come back? Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Andrews, whether it's him or McGovern. But either way, even if it's McGovern, the more accomplished guy, the big free agent signing, he has not been very good. Um, like I said, the I, I, uh, a little shaky for sure. Again, yet again. So again, even that much more reason that hopefully Cam Clark can get healthy, come back and win yep. a starting job. But before we go, before we sign off, Dylan, and this has been uh, a lot of fun considering the fact that uh, I, I hate the Jets right now. Uh, Jets yeah, Colts <laughs> this Sunday on the road in Indy. What are you? What are your? What are your thoughts? Give us a score here. Okay, the score, without getting too deep into anything that I think will happen, I just think the score roughly will be 27 to 10. I I don't see it going any other way. I, we can come out as fast as we want, and I still don't think it will amount to many points. So I'm going to say 27-10. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in that same ballpark. I'm going to say 31-6. Uh, may, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe they keep this – this uh, maybe they maybe they start a legendary streak, an un, unprecedented, unrivaled streak of garbage time touchdowns, and maybe 17 weeks in a row the Jets score in the final two minutes while trailing by you know uh, uh, 17 or more, and uh, and they they ship a bunch of those footballs up to Canton for fans to come and look at for years to come. Uh, but uh, that's gonna wrap things I, uh, up for us. Oh, go ahead, Dylan. What do you got? No, it's okay. I was just gonna say. Uh... One last note was uh, back to the betting on the Jets. I don't, I don't like to bet against the Jets, so I don't put money for or against them. But all of my friends texted me throughout the week saying, "Hey, I'm sorry, I bet the Jets to score the oh, least amount of points in listen, the week, and you, they didn't do it by Jets two fan, points." If I wasn't a Jets fan, I would have put a million dollars, like I have a million dollars. I would have put, I would have put money, all the money in the bank on San Fran last week. I'd, I I might you know what I yep. might do the no touchdowns again because I'm not betting against them to lose. They could win three exactly. nothing. They could they could they could kick eight yep. field goals and win twenty four to twenty one. I'm still gonna root for them, <laughs> but I might have to put some money on the Jets scoring zero touchdowns, especially if uh, Andrews is getting the start at center. Perryman's out mm-hmm. with the knee. No Crowder again. No Perryman. Uh, Chris yeah Chris Herndon is gonna be the jumbo package blocking uh, tackle tight end. Uh, you may as well because Adam Gase Gore's is going to uh, 30 carries. Yeah, exactly. Frank Gore is going to be, I think they're trying to get him uh, to number one all-time rushing. Might see Adam Gase, uh, you know, lobby on his trying behalf. for a three, to get there. Yeah, give him a three-year extension and uh, and get him there two yards at a time. So that's going to wrap things up for us. Uh, please, football gods, uh, get Adam Gase out of here. It's our only hope. Send us a sign. Yes, exactly. So that'll wrap things up for us this week. Alex had some surgery. He's on IR. Uh, even whenever he is back, uh, Dylan, we're going to start having you on on a more regular basis. Uh, we do enjoy having you. So thank awesome. you so much for uh, joining me this week. And hopefully, uh, hopefully something, hopefully the Jets aren't, hey, you know, like maybe they won't be a complete embarrassment on Sunday. Maybe we'll come on here and think, hey, the Jets only lost by 13. Like, way to go. Um, that, that, I hope that's you come worth... back and say some positive things. I mean, I'm smiling through all this 
negativity at 0 and 2, but smiling through the pain. Something. Smiling yeah, through the pain. Yeah, we got to see something. This is this is fun. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, Dylan. Uh, we'll have you on again soon. Thank you, Jets Sounds fans, good. for tuning in. And uh, Jets Indy this Sunday. We'll see how it goes. Have a great week, Jets fans. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!